Hey there. Thanks for joining us at Risen King Church for our weekly sermon podcast. We pray you meet God and know that you are loved today. Be sure to visit us at risenking.life to take all of your next steps and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Enjoy the message. This morning we're continuing in our, our look at the gospel according to Jacob, and we're looking at uh, the book of Genesis together. But I want to tell you a little story about my granddaughter. This week, uh, uh, this week I was FaceTiming with her, and she had just gotten back from a vacation to the beach, and she was angry. And I was like, why are you upset? She wouldn't tell me about swimming, about the pool or the beach or what they ate or anything. She said, they did not buy me the shark. <laughs> so they had gone to a gift shop and she wanted one of these stuffed animal sharks and they had not bought it for her because they bought everything else on the beach for her. <laughs> and so I asked my daughter, Anna, I said, Anna, can I buy, you know, can I buy Allie the shark? So I went, on, um, I went on Amazon. They were like eight bucks. So I bought two sharks. <laughs> I sent her a great white shark and I sent her a, a tiger shark. So when she got it, because can't, she can't open them until I'm watching because I want all the credit. Uh, <laughs> I said, pop, pop, yeah, I love you kind of thing, you know. So she's, she's got the shark. She's playing with the shark. She's really excited. So I call her a few days later. Sharks are nowhere to be seen. And I'm like, where are the sharks? She said, well, I'm playing with something else right now. But then she goes, I need another one. And her mom says, you, you need it. Yeah, why do you need it? She goes, I need it because I need it. And I thought, Wow. That's what we don't outgrow. I need it because I want it, but I need it because if two sharks make me happy, three, I really got, and she's funny because she can't say sharks. She says sarks. <laughs> I need another sark. And so I, as, I, as I was thinking about that this week and I was thinking about this story that I want to tell you from the scriptures what we see is that Jacob, who has, has been now the object of God's love, he's a crook, he's a deceiver, he's a liar, he's, he's an unheroic hero, and yet he's the object of God's love. He is the one in whom the seed of the Messiah has come to rest. And Jacob has an amazing experience in Genesis chapter 28, where he is, he's left his home. He's, he's been rejected now by his father and his brother. The only person in the world who loves Jacob is his mother. And he cannot be with his mother any longer. So he's all alone. He's in dangerous territory. He falls asleep and God meets him. And we have one of the most famous stories in all the Bible, Jacob's Ladder, where you see God manifesting his presence to Jacob and showing him that God wants to make a bridge, a ladder between heaven and earth, between the holiness of God and the sinfulness of man. And for the first time, Jacob the deceiver meets God the Holy One, the one who wants to save him, and the one who has chosen 
to save the world through Jacob. Now, what I like about the story we're about to look at is that though Jacob has had an amazing encounter with God, Jacob is still a mess. And what many of us think is that if we just have that conversion experience, everything will be okay. I actually have people sometimes when all their mess is out there for people to see, they're like, that's not real. It's under the blood. Well, really, it's under the rug. And you need to get it out from under the rug and then bring it under the blood. Because if you can't be honest, you can't be healed. You can't get set free if you don't think anything's wrong with you. So the great thing here is Jacob, though he has this amazing encounter with God, he still needs spiritual formation because he cannot contain the destiny he has unless his capacity is changed. So here's how God deals with Jacob. So Jacob had left his, his parents, but he went back to his home country. So we're going to find out that he has this uncle and his uncle Laban is a very interesting character. As a matter of fact, you probably have an uncle Laban in your life because God always puts Labans in your life to show you yourself. They are spiritual mirrors. Their pride makes you unhappy because of your pride. Their lies make you unhappy because you lie. And that's what happened with Jacob. So he meets his uncle Laban. This is kind of a long story to read, but I like it when you read the scripture. If you get tired, we'll just keep going. All right, so let's, let's read God's word together. We're the church reading the word of God together. Now Laban had two daughters. The name of the older was Leah, and the name of the younger was Rachel. Leah's eyes were weak, but Rachel was beautiful in form and appearance. Jacob loved Rachel, and he said, I will serve you seven years for your younger daughter, Rachel. And said, it is better that I give her to you than I should give her to any other man. Stay with me. So Jacob served seven years for Rachel, and they seemed to him but a few days because of the love he had for her. Then Jacob said to Laban, give me my wife that I may go into her for my time is completed. So Laban gathered together all the people of the place and made a feast. But in the evening, he took his daughter Leah and brought her to Jacob and he went into her. Laban gave his female servant Zilpah to his daughter Leah to be her servant. And in the morning, behold, it was Leah. And Jacob said to Laban, what is this you have done to me? Did I not serve you for Rachel? Why then have you deceived me? Laban said, it is not so done in our country to give the younger before the firstborn. Complete the week of this one, and we will give you the other also in return for serving me another seven years. Jacob did so and completed her week. Then Laban gave him his daughter, Rachel, to be his wife. 
Laban gave his female servant Bilhah to his daughter Rachel to be her servant. So Jacob went in to Rachel also, and he loved Rachel more than Leah and served Laban for another seven years. When the Lord saw that Leah was hated, he opened her womb, but Rachel was barren. And Leah conceived and bore a son, and she called his name Reuben, for she said, because the Lord has looked upon my affliction, for now my husband will love me. She conceived again and bore a son and said, because the Lord has heard that I am hated, he has given me this son also. And she called his name Simeon. Again, she conceived and bore a son and said, now this time a husband will be attached to me because I have borne him three sons. Therefore, his name will be called Levi. And she conceived again and bore a son and said, this time I will praise the Lord. Therefore, she called his name Judah. Then she ceased bearing. Good job, everybody. So when we looked at the life of Abraham, we looked and we saw that Abraham had to go through a faith journey. And through that, we saw a schematic of how this faith journey unfolds. But Abraham wasn't nearly as broken as Jacob. There wasn't as much uh, of this character missing in Abraham that there was in Jacob. And so I believe that what you see with Jacob is you see a pattern of spiritual formation, but it is actually a pattern of spiritual reformation. And so what you, what you must understand is that God is so committed to you as his, his chosen son, his chosen daughter, that he will not leave you incapacitated to contain his glory and to contain his love and to contain his peace. But in order to do that, he must get you to understand why you have to empty yourself so that you can be filled and what hap happens more often than not is this pattern emerges. And the pattern is this, that God will show you what you hope in that is not God. He will force up these deep-seated, empty places that you have placed your hope in things that are false, either false expectations or false assumptions. If you look over your Christian life, you'll see things where you thought, God, you should answer this prayer. You should say yes to this and you should say yes to this now. But what God was doing was he was manifesting that your hope was in something other than him. And in order for that hope to be displaced, you actually have to experience disillusionment either in people in work, in whatever you thought would give you happiness or satisfaction. You have to experience disillusionment so that then you can be capable of true and total fulfillment or ultimate fulfillment. So would you say this with me? Hope, Hope. Disillusionment. disillusionment. What's the last one? I got to look at it. Ultimate, ultimate fulfillment. Let's try it one more time. My, my eye failed me on that one. Sorry. So hope, hope. Disillusionment, disillusionment, 
and ultimate fulfillment. Now, when I'm saying ultimate, I'm saying fulfillment you don't even know you need yet. All you might know is I need it because I need it. But God knows exactly what that deepest need is. So he has to expose where you have false assumptions, where you have counterfeit expectations. And he has to disillusion you so that you'll actually come to the place where you're ready for his ultimate or true fulfillment. Now, Jacob has begun this relationship with God, but here's a problem. He has deep emptiness. You know, in a way, such a contemporary thing. Well, there's a, a writer, Ernest Becker was a cultural anthropologist, not a Christian in any way. He wrote a Pulitzer Prize winning book, Denial of Death. And here he describes how in the ancient days, married love, even, even the idea of of being together, man and woman, was not romantically uh, the goal. The goal was to have children, it was to have family, and the idea of romantic love was in no way connected with getting an inner spiritual emptiness fulfilled. But when, he says, and this this fellow is, is an atheist, he said, but when the idea of God is thrown out of the culture or out of a society, The thing that comes in and takes its place is what he called the romantic solution. So the idea is if I have the perfect love partner, if I have that person who is my soulmate, that person who completes me, if I have that, he said, then you see, then I will have redemption. In other words, my whole life, all my pain, all of my struggles, everything will be worthwhile because I have that one person who loves me so deeply. And he actually says this. He says the romantic solution that comes in in the place of God in our lives and in our culture actually will, will, it has this almost delusionary effect where we think if I have that person, all my faults will go away. If I have that person, You know, this feeling of nothingness will be taken because the belovedness of this person will resolve all my inner problems. Now, if if you don't realize, that's what's happened in our society. It's I've got to find the one. I've got to find the soulmate. This is this is why, in many ways, people fight and defend so much sexual orientation, gender orientation, because they only believe there's one solution, and it's the romantic solution. I have to have the perfect match, and and, and it has to has to, in some ways, complete me perfectly. Now, any of you that are married, that doesn't happen. I mean, my faults didn't go away because I married Lisa. They became more apparent to Lisa. Now, she loves me, and I, I, I love our marriage, and I love her. But she did nothing to take the nothingness away from me. In some ways, the closer she got to me, the more the nothingness in me was exposed. And that delusional idea that that someone will love you so much that they'll even think everything you do wrong is right. 
The closer somebody gets to you, the more your wrongs hurt them. And the, Lisa can tell you, no one has ever hurt her as much as I have. You do not have a good marriage because suddenly the marriage makes you a better person. As a matter of fact, marriage usually reveals how bad a person you are. And the women in the room are nudging their husbands right now. <laughs> you understand, we have a lie that's being placed on us as a cultural lie. And then we're trying to get people who will fit the lie. And then we look at our spouses and go, well, you're, you're not my Rachel. You know? <laughs> And she could easily say to you, well, you certainly are Jacob. <laughs> and not just mine, everybody's Jacob. So here's Jacob. He's so vulnerable right now to this romantic solution, which is countercultural in his day. But he's so vulnerable that when he presents his deal to Laban, Laban sees that Jacob is so vulnerable that he doesn't say yes to the deal. But Jacob is so excited to get Rachel. He's so desperate. He doesn't know that Laban hasn't said yes. He thinks he has. Here's the thing. When you have the wrong hopes and you have false expectations, what you hear cannot be trusted. Because Jacob hears what he wants to hear. He thinks he hears yes because he wants to hear yes. I have seen people leave the faith because they said, well, God promised. No, he didn't. You made him say yes because you wanted him to say yes, but he never agreed. When you come to God with false expectations, when you come to him with counterfeit assumptions, God is not committed to that. He is committed to your ultimate fulfillment and he will allow you even to be disillusioned with God so that you can come to the place that you can ultimately be fulfilled. The hardest thing for most of us is to realize we are wanting God to be our means to our happiness, not him be our happiness. Many of you in this room can, can testify that God has taken you through times and what you knew he was doing is he was teaching you. You are all I need. But let me tell you something. You can't get to fullness till you also say, you are all I want. You're the Sark that I want. Are you tracking with me? So here's a very fascinating thing. I've seen this in my own life, that the very thing you do to somebody else always comes back to you. So Jacob realizes he's been tricked and he goes to Laban and he says, what have you done to me? Which is the exact same words that Isaac used when Jacob tricked him. But here's the part that becomes a sword to the heart of Jacob. Here's what Laban says, verse 26. It's not so done in our country to give the younger before the firstborn. 
You understand what he's saying? He's saying, I know what you did. You, the younger, stole the firstborn. We don't let that happen around here. That's what they say in Mississippi when you try that kind of stuff. Do you understand what he's saying here? You thought you could do something and you could get away with it and there would never be consequences. But Laban says, I know you. I know what you did. And Jacob gets this sword through the heart and he, and he basically says here, Laban is doing exactly to me what I did to my father. Powerful story, right? But poor Leah. I mean, when they, when they got married, she was so veiled up, nobody knew who they were getting married to. You didn't know unless they opened their, their voices and spoke. But here's the thing. I've been to some cultural, traditional weddings, and the bride doesn't speak. And the veil stays on. I, I was actually participating at a, a very traditional cultural wedding, and it lasted three hours, and neither the bride nor the groom said anything. All the deals were being made by the parents. And so you, I, I was watching, I go, oh, that's how. You could go for hours and not know who this is. But in the morning, he knew who it was. And see, the scripture says she was unwanted. She was somebody everybody just looked through to find Rachel. That she was the ugly duckling. She was the one who had been rejected. Now, why am I saying she's the ugly duckling? It says in the scripture, it says she has weak eyes. Now, the scripture is not saying she needed glasses. You see, what it says is she had weak eyes. And then it says, but Rachel had form. She was fit. Rachel had countenance. Her face was beautiful. So it's contrasting Leah's weak eyes to Rachel's perfect body and beautiful face. So in other words, it's biblical for saying she was really ugly. She was unattractive. And she had had to live in the shadow of her sister for her whole life. Everybody looked past her to get to her sister. Now, in a way, if you think about it, she's actually Jacob's perfect soulmate. Because he's the one that everybody overlooked. He was seen as less than a man. He was only loved by his mom. His father couldn't stand him. The only way he could get his father's love was to play like he was his brother. And even that, he had to smell like his brother. Because Isaac wouldn't give Jacob his love till he was convinced that Jacob was Esau. And so here's this broken woman marrying this broken man. And, and, and she hopes that this broken man can fill the brokenness that's in her heart. Now, here's what she thinks. If I can just be successful as a wife, if I can just be successful as a family person, then maybe I'll have worth. 
But you see, what happens is no matter what she does, he cannot stand her. He cannot give her love. He cannot give her any attention. And so what you see is she's looking to Jacob for the fulfillment that Jacob is looking to Rachel for. And so she spent her whole life. She spent her whole life not getting anything because of her sister. Now she's going to spend the rest of her married life not getting anything because of her sister. Basically, what you see is she's in hell. Now, I was reading this blog post that a Christian blogger who was blogging on this, and it was a single woman who's a Christian blogger, and her, her insights were really powerful for me. And she said this as she read the story. She said, I'm Aaliyah. She says, my closest friends tell me what makes me special. But on a superficial level, I understand. But deep down, I don't feel it at all. Deep down, the core of me is self-loathing, broken, and really doesn't see all that much good in my person, inside or outside. And she says, I'm Aaliyah. And then she said this, it was very interesting. She said, deep down, I believe if a man would love me, then I could be beautiful. If a man could love me, then I could have worth. Then I could have value. And she was processing this story of Leah because she's realizing that no matter what her friends say about her, on the inside, she won't let it go. She won't let go that I should loathe myself. On the inside, she won't let go of her brokenness. But she's willing to believe that somebody else could make a difference But the problem is the person you think would make a difference is as broken as you are. So they're either a Jacob who can't love you or they're a Rachel type person who cannot give you what you're actually longing for, though you are infatuated and hopeful that they will. The end result for Jacob and the end result for Leah is disillusionment. Are you you with me? So as we press on with this a bit, look at how she tried to make it right. So if I have sons, she says, then he has to love me. So the first son she names Reuben. In Hebrew, that means see. And what, what she's saying by the name is she's saying, God, you saw my affliction. You see, she's crying out to God, but she's not making her hope in God. She's crying out to God to make Jacob, her hope, a reality. And so she says, God, you saw my, my affliction. You gave me a son, so maybe now my husband will see me. But you know what? Did it work? Still seeing Rachel. Then Simeon comes along and she's Simeon for in Hebrew means to hear. And she says, now, God, you've heard how hated I am. And after this son, maybe my husband will listen to me. He'll hear me. Did it work? Then she had a third son. She called him attachment. Levi in Hebrew means attachment. So she says, now finally my husband will love me and attach to me. Did it work? 
So three powerful names, three powerful events, and the marriage is worse off than it was before. But in the fourth, we see her change, situation unchanged. In the fourth, she says, I will name this one praise. And his name is Judah in Hebrew. And here's what she's saying. I've ceased to put my hope in Jacob. And I've put my hope in God. Do you understand what's happened? She had hope. She got disillusioned. But now she's giving herself the opportunity for ultimate fulfillment. Would you say it with me one more time? Hope. Hope. Disillusionment. Ultimate fulfillment. Do you understand? God is committed to doing this in your life as he was in Leah's life. This is so, matter of fact, this passage is so powerful and there are so many applications. I could take days with you. But here's the thing it's so emotional. Will you let the emotion go deep inside of you? See, whether you like it or not, you will not get to ultimate. Fulfillment until you recognize you're a Jacob. You're a Jacob because you've, you've, you've asked God to give you Rachel's. A job. You've asked them to give a relationship. You've asked different things. And when you ask God to resource your idol, he cannot give it success. For some reason, now, I, you know, I miss Nyack College being there for, because for some reason I used to be a dating guru to all the students. No, <laughs> to some of the students. It was funny because when they were breaking up, they'd come to me, which was interesting because I, you know, I'm kind of like Dr. Phil. You know what I'm going to say. So they would come and they would say something like this. They'd go, oh, pastor, will you pray with me? My girlfriend broke up with me or my boyfriend broke up with me or whatever. And I just can't live without them. I said, I'm going to tell them to run from you as far as possible. (laughs) Because if you're saying you can't live without them, you're asking them to fill the brokenness in your life that they can never fill. And they will become an idol and, and they will be a dumb idol and they will not be able to meet the deepest needs that you're trying to get them to meet. They only came once for that advice. <laughs> so what am I talking about here? Well, I'm, I'm basically saying here's the gospel. The gospel of Jesus Christ is, is really the only religion. It's the only faith in which broken people reject God's grace constantly, and yet he never stops following after them. And here's the, here's the thing. God has obsessed over you. He has chosen to enter into your brokenness for you. It isn't a question of you trying to get God in your life. It's you allowing God to be in your broken places. You, look at this. These heroes are all broken. This is why I believe the Bible. They're unheroic heroes. They're not legends. They're real people. Leah is a real person. Jacob is a very real person. Even Rachel is a very real person. And they're having these real issues. But here's the thing. You don't see them getting morality so that God will be in their life. 
As a matter of fact, morals won't get you into God's story at all. But God has come into your story in a way that might be unexpected. How you deal with disillusionment is the key to how you advance. There is no way to have reality without being disillusioned with your wish visions. I always think it's interesting when people are disillusioned with me. It's happened many, many times. Some of the interesting ones, though, happen at the altar. I've had people, numerous people come up to me and say, I'm, and I, I asked them questions. I said, what do you want Jesus to do? He said, wait, I, I'm up here to forgive you. I'm like, okay, what did I do this time? And they're like, you have not been the father to me that I hoped you would be. I said, what's your name? Because the ones who have said that to me, I have never met. In other words, they, they thought that somehow I was by telepathy, figure out what they needed and I would meet their needs. And so I, I you know, what else could I say? But I, I apologize. I, I wish I could have fulfilled that. But but I believe that God is reparenting you and fathering you so that he's the father you really need, not me. But it's interesting, very few times have those people ever come back because they're so disillusioned that I didn't meet their ideal view of me. I mean, it's as crazy as sometimes I've gone into Nyack and somebody will come up to me at a restaurant and they'll go, I've been listening to your sermons for quite a while. And I said, really, that's awesome. They said, I thought you would have been taller. Sometimes it sucks to be me. <laughs> Here's what I'm really talking about. Look at, look at this story. Jacob goes to bed with what he thought was the one. And he wakes up with Leah. See, one of the things that Tim Keller said about this that really touched me is he said, in all of life, through every event, through every aspect of your life, there will always be a ground note running, a ground note of cosmic disappointment. You see, Leah represents something. In the morning, it's always Leah. You go to bed with Rachel, and in the morning, it's always, always Leah. This is the thing. If, you, if you're honest, you look and you say, that dream job, when you got it, you thought it was Rachel, but it was really Aaliyah. That perfect marriage, that perfect relationship, that perfect romance, when you got it, you thought it was a Rachel, but it was really just Aaliyah. So interesting that we don't deal well with our disillusionment. I, can you stay with me a little bit? I know the music's playing. Will you stay with me? Listen, listen what I have to say about this. There's, there's a story that hit me um, a number of years ago. I love to watch old movies. And I was watching this old movie called Gilda. And it had the, the, the it girl of the day, the most beautiful Hollywood star. Her name was Rita Hayworth. And after that movie, all the powerful men in Hollywood wanted her. You know, whether it was to have sex with her or marry her, they just wanted her. And so one of the most powerful directors, producers in Hollywood married her. 
And then after a short time, they divorced and they, she was asked, what, what happened? And she said this, he said, he went to bed with Gilda, that's the actress or the part, but he woke up with Rita. Here's a person who was not Leah in terms of looks, but she was just a person. She wasn't a role in a, in a, a movie. She was a real needy person. And when he found out she wasn't who she had been on the screen, he didn't want her anymore. You understand, we get obsessed with Rachel's. Thinking if I could just be Rachel, or if I could just have Rachel, then I'd be fulfilled. Think, I can't say the name Rachel without thinking about friends. But you think about Rachel and friends, maybe some of you are too pure to watch friends, but I've watched it. So you watch Rachel and everybody's obsessed with Rachel. And when it first came out, everybody was obsessed to have Rachel's haircut. Whether you were young or old, whether you were pretty or butt ugly, you had Rachel's. It's in the Hebrew, okay? Because somehow we believe, friends, that if we have what Rachel has, we'll be loved like Rachel is loved. But even Rachel didn't get what Jacob wanted to give her. He couldn't do it. She couldn't be it and he couldn't do it. Here's the thing. When God saw that Leah was hated, God loved Leah. When God saw that Leah was hated, God loved Leah. Do you know where the messianic descendants comes from? It's not Rachel. It's Leah. When God saw that Leah was hated, that she was overlooked, that she was rejected, that she was not wanted, God said, but I want you and I love you. And the Son of God, think about this, the Son of God who is fairer than the fairest of 10,000, the darling of heaven, the most beautiful of heaven, he didn't come to be the son of Rachel. He came as the son of Leah. And in Isaiah 53, verse two, it says, he had no beauty. He had no beauty that we should desire him. Yet he was bruised for our iniquities. He was, he, was, he was smitten for our sins. And by his stripes, we are healed. You see, the son of glory was willing to become a Leah so that you could wake up every morning to the son of glory. that I heard the Father speaking as I was listening this morning. And the, the first one is this, is that some of you in this place might be feeling like the Leah. You might be feeling rejected. You might be feeling like no one loves you. You might be looking for how you can become Rachel, how you can 
look the part that you need to look. And the Father wants you to know this morning that you are deeply loved and desired by Him. And then the other question that I, that I heard the Father asking me even this morning was, where do you go when you're disillusionment? And so, Father, we come to you and we say that we are all broken, that we are all needy, that we all need a Savior, that what we try to do, what we try to present, what we try to just put forth as our best self isn't even enough to get right standing with you, that we need Jesus. And so, Father, we thank you for sending your son, Jesus. Father, we thank you that you love us so deeply, that you desire us so deeply, that you want us to come close so much that you sent your son to do that for us. So church, would you receive this morning that you are loved, that you are desired, that you are wanted, that the God of the universe sent his son for you. And Lord, we say that we want to be a people that in our disillusionment, that we can turn it into praise. Father, that when the masks come off and disappointment comes in, that we would come to you in the midst of that, that that is your desire, that we would come to you in our disillusionment. So we thank you for the friendship and the relationship that you want to have with us. We thank you for your love. We thank you for accepting us just as we are. And we give you all the glory and all the honor. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, thanks for joining us today. If you've tuned in online, thanks for streaming our services. A couple quick things before you go. If you came prepared to give, you can do so on your way out. There's a box in the lobby. Kids are waiting for you if you have them in the kids program. We hope that you'll check out our Dream Team Fair. Find out how you can get involved. It's right outside. And if you have kids that are in grades 6 through 12th or you're a parent of a student in those grades, join us tonight at 530. Have a fantastic week, everybody. We'll see you soon.